This Sunday, you know, it's this one Sunday before Christmas, and it's like that Sunday that happens in the spring. It's kind of a requirement. You preach on the story everybody's expecting to hear. You know, you're expecting to get Jesus in a manger. We're going to get him there today. But we're going to do it through a series we're currently doing called Doors. And what this door series really represents is there's moments in time where the Bible talks about doors. And those moments that he talks about doors, it is opportunities for us. Now we realized and we've been taught and we, we've studied scripture that said there are occasions where God opens up doors. And in Revelation chapter 3 it says he opens up doors nobody can shut and he shuts doors nobody can open. Now that's an incredible promise to us because there's some times where I don't necessarily, there is, I'm going to go ahead and publicly testify, there's been moments in my life where I did not recognize the magnitude of the moment and had God not sovereignly kept a door open, I would have missed the moment. Anybody else would have done that? Say amen. And then today I want to talk about not the doors that God opens, because have you ever noticed that most of the time we pray, God, will you open a door of opportunity for me? Will you do this? Will you do that? Will you do this? And sometimes he's saying, I've put the door there. It's time for you to open it. It's time for you to experience the victory. It's time for you to experience the participation in a miracle. And today I want to talk about doors that you have an opportunity to open. So if you would... Would you bow your heads with me? And I promise you I'm going to get to the Christmas story before the end of this message. Father, today I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to give us clarity and authority through the power of your word. Father, let our hearts be open. Let our minds be clear. Let us hear the sovereign voice of an almighty God speaking to, through your word to us to not just entertain us, not just uh, provoke us to change, but Father, literally be a transformational moment in all of our lives where your, the authority and the anointing of your word could make us different men and women. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And with that said, everyone said... Amen. Listen to this statement of Scripture. It's found, that's only one verse. It's found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, and it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Now, if you really want to know the context of this Scripture... The writer John is writing a letter authorized and inspired by God the Holy Spirit on an island called Patmos. He has been sent there to die. He is 92 years of age. He has known Christ since he was in his early teens. But I'm going to preach that in that message next week. Hey. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, I need you to write a letter to a church called Laodicea. Now, Laodicea is an unusual church because this church has lost its passion. It is neither hot nor cold. It's somewhere in the middle. It's not committed to anything. It no longer stands for anything. It is everything goes and everyone's included and all of these things. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit inspires the writer to say, Hey, make a decision. Either get in or get out. 
I, I, I'm really struggling with your present condition because if you were a, a kettle of water, you would neither be hot nor cold. You would just be lukewarm. If you were cold, at least you could quench the thirsting of somebody's thirst. You would be refreshing even if you were cold water. And if you were hot water, you could do a lot of things with hot water. You know, I, I, I guess it's true. Some of the things that we believe and see on TV uh, sometimes aren't necessarily true. I'm going to preach about that today when you, we dig into the imagination of your mind when it concerns the birth of Christ. But in every movie that I see where there's an emergency or a crisis and somebody's about to give birth unexpectedly and there's a, they go, is there a doctor in the house? And the next thing they say is, uh, you know, put this, boil some water. Well, I'm assuming that they make instruments sterile. You know, they make things clean. So he's telling them, if you were cold, you could refresh somebody's, you know, thirst. And if you were hot, maybe you could do something like cleaning something or sterilizing something. But you're lukewarm. You have really no purpose. And the Bible uses a door and says, you that are standing in a position where you really aren't in or out, here's a door for you. And the Bible says this. He paints a picture. Jesus is on one side of the door. And you are that church is on the other side of the door. And the Bible says, I stand at the door. Talking about Jesus, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And the Bible says that as the scripture that I read says, if anyone not only hears my knocking, but hears my voice. So he's not only knocking, he's asking to come in. Can I please come in? Can I please come in? No, this one's shut. We're getting it open. All of a sudden... You have this moment, and I want to paint the picture for you accurately. Jesus, the one standing on this side of the door, is God, right? And he has the authority to kick down the door. He has the power to obliterate the door. In Scripture, it literally tells him that he walked into a room without any open doors, so he could just physically walk through the door, but he's choosing to be restrained in all of his sovereignty to your decision to open it. See, I wish that I could tell you every door that is closed that you have the opportunity to open, that you're going to respond positively and open it up and allow Jesus to come in. But you know what? According to history, this church did not open the door. No. The church doesn't exist anymore. Can you imagine? Here's Jesus knocking at the door of a church saying, will you please let me in? Will you please let me in? And I had a Sunday school teacher and that Sunday school teacher used this imagery and she had a big old flannel board and she took this picture that she had gotten from some Bible publication and it showed Jesus knocking on the door. And I looked closely at the picture of this door that she would put up on the flannel board and it was of a heart. And she taught this whole premise of a, ta of a teaching and saying, David, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And if you decide to invite him in, he'll come in and fellowship with you and never leave you. Anybody ever got taught that lesson or seen that picture of Jesus knocking on the door of your heart? There he stands knocking on the door. And the Bible in Revelation says not only does he want to get in, but he wants to... Fellowship with you. 
The Bible literally means, and when I went to and studied for seminary, I had to study the King James Version and memorize, according to my denomination, they were going to test me and ask me things and make me recite Scripture. And I had to memorize the King James Version. And in this uh, a verse, it says that he wants to come in and sup with me and you with him. That word there really means to come in and eat or have a fellowship. Basically, have a cup of coffee or eat a meal. And I want to ask you a question. If they would have let him in and he would have been sitting at dinner with them, just like he wants to sit at dinner with you, wonder what he would have said. Wonder what he would have challenged you with. If you were to open the door and him to come in and, and have a dinner with you, wonder what Jesus would do over dinner in your house. You know, just think of it. Just let your imagination run wild with me for just a second. At, we had the staff over last week for our annual Christmas party. And I got done with church. We had it on Sunday afternoon. I got done with church about three, or about what Pastor Wilson preached longer than I did. It seemed like three, but it was one. And then I took him to lunch. <laughs> I took him to lunch and it was about three or 3.30 before I got home. And we were having all of the staff over at six o'clock. And I'm telling you this little meek, mild, soft-spoken woman that leads you in worship every week. I live with her and she can get tough sometimes. And she's barking. At, I mean, it was like transformation happened to, to her when the car stopped. She got out and said, okay, we got to get started. We got to clean the house. And she was giving us orders. You got to do that. I found myself mopping. I was like, we see them every day. <laughs> they know our house is clean. But she wanted it to be clean. And sometimes I think that if I had Jesus over for dinner, I would be so wrapped up preparing, trying to get prepared for the dinner that I would forget to have the fellowship during the dinner. I would be so wrapped up in who he was that I would forget to just sit down and ask him, you knocked on the door you wanted to come in for dinner. This was your idea. What do you have to say to me? And I think what he would say is probably, I need you, David, to take one more step of faith with me. Sometimes you think the greatest days that you've had is behind you, but I'm here with you in the present, and I see the future, and I believe the greatest things are still yet ahead of you. He may want to rearrange the furniture a little bit. You ever notice that when he comes in, he, he's like, that's the wrong place for the couch. <laughs> And you're like, I like the couch there. And he said, yeah, that's the problem. You keep praying for me to do this in your life. And the reason that you need this prayer answered over and over and over again is because that couch is in the wrong place. And so we can solve this thing by just you rearranging your life. And I don't mean a literal couch. I mean, whatever that couch represents in your life, when God's trying to tell you, let's get this thing reordered. You got all the things you need to live faithful and live uh, uh, abundant life. And you have all the things that you need. You just got them in the wrong place. But this church never opened the door. What opportunity. I, that's the thing that drew, drove me wild this, or crazy this week about this sermon is what could they have done or what could they, what revival was he going to tell us was going to happen to a lukewarm church to turn them into this hot, passionate church, passionate for their God. We'll never know. See, that brings me to today. The greatest, this most popular story that most of us know sometimes is uh, not characterized 
correctly through all the Christmas uh, plays that we've ever seen and, and we put things in that don't necessarily in the timeline happen just right. But did you know this whole story is about a closed door? That a man had an opportunity to open. Picture with me, 97 miles... You are newly married. You're a newlywed couple. You are somewhere between the ages of 18 and 21. You're trying to show your new wife that you've got this thing under control. You have your ideas. She is nine months pregnant. The due date is any minute. And you get a word from the authorities. It's time to pay your taxes. And you now walk her outside and show her the donkey that she's going to ride on nine months pregnant for 97 miles. Courage. (laughs) Ladies, tell me, if you would have had to do that to get to the hospital, would you not have killed your husband? Say amen. (laughs) Yeah. And to add insult to injury, sometimes when you open a door of opportunity and God wants to use you in an incredible way, you think it's all fun and games. This girl was 15 years old trying to explain to her community how she got pregnant. And it wasn't by Joseph, but it was by the Heavenly Father, by the authority of the Holy Spirit hovering over her, being assigned and put on mission by the Heavenly Father to be the conveyor or the deliverer of the Son of God. And Jesus, or God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, His plan was for you to do it by natural childbirth. Wouldn't you like to, ladies, if you were put in that position, wouldn't you like to, for the angel Gabriel to have been holding the little baby and say, here, you've now adopted your new son. His name's supposed to be Jesus. God bless. No, he said your ankles are going to swell. Your hips are going to get a little bit out of joint. You're actually going to put on a little bit of weight and everybody's going to talk and have secrets about how you got this way. And you're going to go through, and I'm, I'm not going to tell on the brother because i got to go talk to him because he, he's got to get some convincing that this child is really from God. And once I convince him, he's going to go crazy about the time the baby's going to be born and he's going to put you on a donkey, put you 97 miles on that donkey. And when you get into the town of Bethlehem, you're going to look over at him and say, did you make the arrangements? He's going to say, no, I thought you did. Didn't you go on kayak and get us a room? No. Oh. (laughs) The Bible says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went up to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. You got this 18 to 21 year old kid going to a door, knocking. And somebody opens the door. What can I do for you? I don't know.
don't know how to say this because my wife's right behind me. I didn't make any arrangements and we need a room. She's pregnant and it seems like it's now. I'm sorry. There's no room. See, all of a sudden, the door was about to close. The opportunity was going to be presented to a man that his name would have probably been recorded in human history as the one that gave up his bed, gave up his room. He couldn't ask another guest to do it. He would have had to do it for himself. But had this man done it, what would have been said about him? You're talking about missing a marketing opportunity? Hey, this is where the Messiah was born. Come stay where he was born, where he stayed his first night. See, sometimes you'll go into a messed up place because of who was born there. I remember I went on, I was about college age and one of my friends had a girlfriend that went to college at Ole Miss and he decided to drive from Panama City to to Mississippi to see her and he convinced me, he said, Dave, I'll give you tickets to the Ole Miss game and I can't remember who they were playing. And and I, I was like, all right, man, I'll go. I'll go on this adventure with you. And I found myself in Mississippi. Anybody here from Mississippi say amen. A few of you. Please don't take offense to what I have to say. I'm sure it's beautiful in its own way, but, you know, I'm coming from Panama City Beach, sugar white sand, emerald, the emerald coast, man. And I'm in Mississippi. And he has his girlfriend. I don't have anybody. So I get her to him. I get him to her. And now I'm by myself. And where do you drive? Where is there to go in Tupelo, Mississippi? And I'm like, well, what am I going to do till game till the game starts? I went to this little bitty old shack, this wooden building, all because of what the sign said. The sign said, Elvis Presley was born here. I said, I ain't got nothing to do. Let me go see where Elvis was born. Let me see what he got. I went in there and I looked around where Elvis was born. Can you imagine going where Jesus was born? See, I've been. It's not what you think. See, I was blessed by meeting a guy that was a pastor of a church in Bethlehem. You know what the ushers do after they've received the tithes and offerings? They stand at the church with a bucket of water. Because more often than not, about once, probably once at least a month, they get firebombed. And somebody throws something in there that catches on fire and the ushers have become so accustomed to it, they just put it out with water and they keep worshiping. He has been beaten up, beaten almost to death and thrown in a dumpster. That's at the place where Jesus was born. See, sometimes we don't get the full picture. What could have happened had this man just opened up the door of opportunity that he was there to respond and he could have personally sacrificed for a moment for someone else And in that sacrifice, he would have been associated with the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we know what happened. The door closed. He was probably a good guy because he said, all I got is the place where the animals are. You can go in there. And I know in your mind you think of red barns and beautiful cows. There's no wooden structures there. It was a cave. That's where they kept the animals. 
and then the darkness of a cave. A door that could have been opened was closed. And the king of the universe was born in a cave surrounded by animals. You can play me something, Amy. And the baby was wrapped in cut cloths and put in a manger. Now this is the only manger we got, but it's really not accurate. Because the mangers of that region are stone. Because there's not a lot of wood, there's not a lot of trees. So in a big old rock that had a hole dug out of it, where some hay was laid. Yes, it was a manger, but it wasn't like this. The king of the universe was born to a 15 to 16-year-old little girl and probably an 18 to 21-year-old terrified young man, all because they opened up a door when he knocked. And they put the baby in this manger. And I know I'm going to mess some people up right here. How many of you know about the wise men? Say amen. Amen. And how many of you believe that they got to Jesus in this little barn cave and gave him the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Say amen. Amen. Yeah, he didn't get there there until he was two. They had to go on a two-year walk to find him. But they thought he was worth the find. And the walk. See, they didn't get the gold, frankincense, and myrrh until God knew the perfect timing where the king was going to try to kill all the two-year-olds and younger, and they were going to need some money to get to Egypt to live until he died. And that's what comes in these wise men to worship with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they were going to use that as God's sovereign hand was making a way for the child. No, it wasn't the wise men that showed up at the barn. It was the shepherds. Another open door on a hillside outside of Bethlehem. The lowest ranking vocation of the time was being a shepherd. And there stood angels, the host of heaven, declaring that the king has been born to regular men watching sheep. You say, Pastor, what's important about that? They told them, they said, we bring you good tidings of great joy. It's there in Luke chapter 2. You can read it. We bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you this day is born a Savior. And He's not just your Savior, but He's going to be the Savior of the world. And these guys have a moment where they can walk through a door or close it. The angels disappear and they have a powwow. They get together in their huddle and they say, what are we going to do? They said, let's leave the, she- let's leave the sheep for a little while and go, go find out where He is. And common man stoops through the door of a barn or a cave. Moving the animals around to look into a manger into the face of the, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And going, oh my goodness, it looks like the face of God. See, he wasn't born like Pastor Gray said in a palace. He was born in a stable. Humble beginnings for the greatest of all. Because he wanted you to know there was a door open for you. And maybe you have a better pedigree than I do, but I could have never been a wise man. I'd have never had the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. I would have more related to the shepherd 
but I'm so thankful that he gave them and me an opportunity to go see the king. And I stand here before you two days before we celebrate Christmas. And some of the chaos that I've been in and you've been in has been trying to get through these stores without cursing. That's real right there. I, I, it sounded funny, but that's real. I looked at somebody the other day and just in my head, if they could have thought what I thought in my head, I was like. Mm. <laughs> See, some doors God's not going to open. Some doors, all he's going to do is knock. What's he knocking on in your life for 2019? And will you open up the door and let him come in and have that meal with you? I met with 60 people from Tamiami Village a retirement community in North Fort Myers. And they are so excited about the door that God's opening for them in 2019. They want to see their park be brought to the knowledge of Christ as their Savior. I wonder what God wants to do in your family and in our church. Let's listen to Amy lead us in a moment.